but before we get into a couple of those talking points, um, honestly, th there's been, for me, at least, uh, a bit of an elephant in the room in terms of uh, some not-so-fun stuff. So I, I just wanted to mention this off the start of the show here. Um, in, in terms of a more serious fashion, like, ultimately... This is a hockey podcast, at least primarily, like Lord knows Deach and I have talked about football and all kinds of dumb stuff uh, as much as we possibly can. We do try to keep it light and have as much fun as possible. Like, a podcast like this is really supposed to be more of a form of escapism. Like, we're not, we're not the news, right? So, there's obviously a lot on a daily basis, I think, that can weigh heavily on the heart and mind in terms of what's going on right. in the real world out there. That said, on occasion, we do have to address more serious topics. Uh, say, for example, the death of a former player, which DJ and I have brought up a couple of times uh, on the show, and it's always difficult to discuss. But the logic is, um, if Deej goes into great detail about, hey, here's here's why Tony Esposito was great, or if I talk about Fred Stanfield being a, a Bruins team legend, you know, maybe someone who isn't uh, as so informed, and case in point there, maybe someone who isn't so... Uh, informed on, you know, great players of the past, maybe they learned something. So yeah. that's at least one positive to bringing up that type of situation. And then there's been everything related to the pandemic. And, and trust me, it's the last thing we want to talk about on this show at this point. Uh, I certainly haven't been afraid to share my viewpoints elsewhere, and I'm still not. But ultimately, there's a time and place. And going on about that topic on every show, it doesn't really fit what we want to try to do. Like, we aim to have fun. And I got to be honest, I don't think we're really going to accomplish anything by talking about Oh, what teams are 100% vaccinated? What are the consequences for Tyler Bertuzzi, Mackenzie Blackwood, Bodie Wild, and Josh Archibald? Uh, what arena policies? Where do you have to wear a mask? Where don't you? Like, there's, there's just nothing that's really going to come of that. And as well, you know, you put your opinions out there, and then all of a sudden you get a Jesse Ilanen or William Nylander situation, two players who caught a lot of flack, and then they share why, and then it's more understandable as to why, you know, they have the opinions that they do. It's... It's a lot, I think, is the best way to sum that up. And it's not just those talking points that I've been asked a ton about, like, oh, why haven't you guys mentioned that? There's the continued saga of Evander Kane. And following every bit of information that comes out, simply, it's not really what we're here uh, to do. And it's not for a lack of care or respect for a serious situation and serious allegations. But at the end of the day... We don't currently have all the information. It's all stuff. And, and I think, and Alex, for you too, right? For And again, I, I feel bad because I'm kind of putting you on the spot no, here with you kidding. being alongside me for this episode instead of Deej. But with the Evander Kane story in particular, it's one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And it can be very tough in a way to almost keep track with it because you look at, like, there was the story today that yeah, he's I now being investigated by the NHL for a COVID protocol violation, potentially. So the best way we could think to do this, instead of covering everything, is just kind of handle it as the Sharks are. Which, again, I respect the Sharks for doing. They're saying, hey, he's not at camp. We're going to wait to see how this plays out. And that's what we're trying to do here, is wait until all the facts are out there at that point. And then the problem is, you're like, okay, how much how much do we want to talk about? And then you have a story come out over the weekend of the Jalen Semerich story, a former AHL player uh, who was racially abused in the Ukraine. Uh, by an opponent who was simulating eating a banana in front of him. And yes, you can get into the conversations of differences, we'll say, between those in North America and what's acceptable in Ukraine, perhaps, and 
Again, that's stuff we don't want to get into. Uh, Jalen himself has decided to take a leave of absence from the team until disciplinary, uh, disciplinary action excuse me, is taken against Andre Deniskin, uh, the player involved in the situation. And for us here, and I think for anybody really of a, a sound mind, it's a difficult topic to discuss because it boils down to being infuriated. Alex, I don't know if you agree, but I think of this, and at the end of the day, I think, oh, here's everything I could say. It just comes down to it's it's sickening, it's disgusting, but ultimately not surprising because it's a conversation we continually have to have. And on this show, at least, it's a conversation that if an incident comes up like this, it's a conversation we're going to have to continue to have. I mean, you know, again, for the idea of like, hey, keep it as a fun hockey podcast, it's a little bit tough. But I, I don't have a perfect way to wrap up this statement. Uh, I'll say this, though. Uh, I'm not mentioning all of this at once. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Um, I'm not mentioning all of this at once to, like, belittle any of the situations, to make them seem unimportant compared to the rest of the topics we're going to discuss on the show at length today. They're all incredibly important. Like I said, if, uh, you know, a few minutes ago, we'll continue to have the discussions uh, and the conversations regarding more negative topics. But... On the show, we also love talking about the positive, and I couldn't wait for this show today, praise Bill. I couldn't wait for the show today to mention uh, the cool news over the weekend of the WHL hiring its first ever uh, female Lions person in Alex Clark, and just how awesome that is, and likely long overdue, I would say. Um, you know, especially, too, back in June, we talked about Taya Curry becoming the first woman to be drafted uh, by an OHL team. And we love talking about the growth of the women's game and uh, how much, uh, you know, the deserved, improved role is that women are having in the game. It's, it's been long overdue. It's making the sport better. Absolutely. We love to share. We love to share news in case you missed it. Uh, along the lines of Flyers head coach Elaine Vigneault confirming at the end of a press conference that Oscar Lindblom is still cancer free, which is incredible. Amazing. News. Um, we love getting to talk about really funny stories like Devil's Prospect, Nikita Papugai. Uh, I think it's Papugayev. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm wrong on that. Uh, he's retiring at age 23 to become a full-time Instagram influencer. Nice. That's just, it's it's hilarious. And I wish Deej was here to share his, his particular thoughts on that because I'm sure he'd get a kick out of it. We love talking about how damn cool it is. Uh, January 28th, the New York Rangers will raise number 30 to the Raptors for Henrik Lundqvist. They said they were going to, and they wasted no time. It's going to be this season, and that's going to be a very emotional night in the world of hockey. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, like I said, I don't have a perfect way to kind of sum up the statements. Um, you know, all I know on, on this particular show is that DJ and I you know, are essentially two goofs who became friends magically through the internet. Um, just with the sole intention of trying to make each other laugh at the dumbest things. And we started the podcast to see what would happen. So, you know, we're here. We do our best. I think hopefully, you know, again, these topics important, but in terms of presenting the show as we want to present it, it, it can be very tough to balance all things. So again, Alex, I, I do apologize, of course, that you kind of got wrapped up hey, uh, in the fact that, you know, we've kind of reached a critical mass where it's like, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice, you know, for, for the people that watch the show, for the people that ask me, like, hey, are you going to talk about this? Are you going to talk about that? To at least not mention, I guess, the thought behind the show and the approach um, that we have. So we will move on. I did mention a couple of, of quick things that we had to talk about here, and I'm intrigued to get your thoughts behind this because um, 
We have a, a slight update on the Jack Eichel news story, because this just won't go away. Ah, no. Uh, Elliot Friedman, in his, in his 32 Thoughts podcast, mentioned the possibility of the Sabres tolling Eichel's contract, which means it essentially would not count this season and would push off his no-movement clause until 2022-23, making it easier to trade him. I went from thinking that this deal would be done uh, around the draft to now thinking Jack Eichel's going to retire at age 24 because the Buffalo Sabres are never going to let go of him. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are uh, Buffalo should move to Kansas City. Um, <laughs> uh, but with different ownership, please. Um, I, I, that, that's pretty, that's, you know, joking aside, that, that's pretty much my thought is the ownership is gone too far, I think, with, with the whole yeah. Jack Eichel thing. I understand wanting to wait until you're going to get something that you think that you deserve to get for a trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Blues with Tarasenko, you know, like Tarasenko didn't get traded, obviously. Things are looking a little bit different there, of course, because. You know, he's still playing, but Jack Eichel, the only thing I can really say is I just feel, I feel bad for the dude. He just wants to play hockey, man. Like, he just wants to to do what he is so good at and what he was drafted to do, but just got really unlucky that Buffalo got second pick. (laughs) Yeah, I think that almost sums up uh, the entire situation. Buffalo thought, oh, we were unlucky to get Eichel. As it turns out, Eichel was unlucky to get Buffalo. I, I didn't hear Another, about that. They were So they're just going to push off his contract for a year? Potentially. He didn't confirm it, right. but there's the possibility that they could technically do that. That's ridiculous. Which, new twist of the tale every time. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to follow what's going on with Jack Eichel and the Sabres. Uh, aside from that, uh, the NHL PR account released this for the, and we've already kind of seen it happen with preseason hockey underway. Uh, the 21-22 season, there will be tighter standard of enforcement for Rule 59, which is cross-checking. Yeah, I will believe it when I see it. I sure because didn't I see it in the preseason game so far. Now, we have uh, already seen, I think, two suspensions. I think one was for a hit to the head with Dylan McElrath in the Caps-Bruins game. Yeah. Um, and then I think there was an incident last night, um, with Ridley Grieg, uh, who I think has been confirmed to be suspended for at least one game, uh, for the Ottawa Senators, actually two games for cross-checking Pierre-Luc Dupois of the Jets. So uh, I'm certainly not putting any stock into the idea that this is actually going to, uh, you know, be, be properly implemented by them. I could easily see them not, uh, you know, following through with it. It's easy for the first month or two to be like, hey, look at us. And then it slides, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, Padre will probably still get suspended, though. So, <laughs> I, I, Sorry, I, uh, I happened to be scrolling through Reddit and I saw something about Kadri and something that he said and about his suspensions. We, we can get to that later when we talk about Colorado, but... It's it's certainly a factor when talking about Colorado. So, again, that's another wait-and-see kind of thing, similar to the Jack Eichel situation. And the last thing of note, uh, I just wanted to, to bid a, a farewell to one Curtis McElhaney, who announced his retirement, now a two-time Stanley Cup champion. 
with the Tampa Bay Lightning. This guy bounced around a ton in his career. Uh, sort of had that weird late resurgence with Toronto, which led to him going to uh, Carolina for a season and then to Tampa. It's just he has one of the most bizarre journeyman careers. Uh, wanted to mention him because I, I did get to see him uh, play in person a bit in the 11-12 season when he was with the Coyotes and their minor league team, RIP the Portland Pirates. But uh, just just a really weird career for a former sixth-round pick. But I feel like as a sixth-round pick, the best thing you can ask for is to end up as a, a multi-time Stanley Cup champion. Raining. <laughs> yeah, right? Raining He's never lost. champion. That's a hell of a way uh, to end a career. So, yeah, as as you might have expected between our last show and this one, not a ton, really, to talk about. But that does bring us to the, the meat and potatoes of this particular episode, uh, episode, our central division preview. Now, Alex, we didn't really talk about how we were going to handle this. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm feeling maybe we start at the bottom. I don't know if we want to go off of my predictions or yours, but I have a feeling we might have the same prediction here for who could end up at the bottom of this division because, of course, there are eight teams now. The Arizona Coyotes have moved over. Is it the newcomer? So let's talk about who I have finishing in the basement of this division. It is the newcomer. Sorry, Dean. It would be the Arizona Coyotes. Now... In terms of talking about their offseason, and there is a lot to talk about, perhaps more than any other team, there is a lot to talk about uh, with the Coyotes' particular offseason. And I'll break down some of it because, i got to be honest, there's too much much to cover. I just put them up on cap-friendly. Oh, yeah. It's it's, a lot of it is is fairly ridiculous, no matter what you're really choose to look at but it looks let's like talk about some of, of these Madden moves. franchises <laughs> just tear it all down and build it back up baby uh they started things off by uh i'd say sidestepping uh in the uh, seattle expansion as they traded aiden hill to the san jose sharks uh, in exchange for goaltender Joseph coronar and a draft pick a second rounder to be exact and i'll be mentioning a lot of draft picks here yes they yes, also one of my favorite trades of the offseason with the New York Islanders. They acquired Andrew Ladd, a second round pick in 2021, and two conditional picks, seconds and thirds. We'll see what happens there. Uh, actually, the conditional second is based off of the pick that they hold, so we'll see. It's the third that might not go their way. But essentially, Andrew Ladd and two second round picks for nothing. It is still listed on Cap Friendly as future considerations. So, again, free draft picks for nothing. For Shane Gostisbehere. Basically for nothing, though. They need warm bodies on the team, don't they? True. <laughs> they acquired Shane Gostisbehere along with a second and a seventh for nothing. Oh, man, I forgot about that. Future, future considerations again. Uh, they acquired, let's be honest, they took on Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson from Vancouver, along with a first-round pick that turned into Dylan Genther, which is already looking like a Great move for them. Uh, second and the seventh for Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland. A uh, couple of other minor deals around the draft. They then sent Darcy Kemper to Colorado for Connor Timmons. A first and a conditional third. 
and sent Christian Dvorak to Montreal for a conditional first. It'll be a first no matter what, and a second. That is not even all of their moves. Uh, we could yeah. talk about other signing. I didn't even mention the Anton Strahlman trade, where, again, they just acquire assets for taking on a bad contract from the Florida Panthers. I mean, they lost Auntie Ranta. There's a ton of moves. They lost Alex Goligoski. A lot happened to this team. The bright spot for the Coyotes, and I'll say this before turning it over to you, is that they have three first-round picks and uh, five second-round picks in this upcoming draft, and that's so far. More could still be done. And then there's all the negative. Yeah. Yeah. one of the most interesting things of all that is with them moving to the Central, it is very interesting that they traded Darcy Kemper to Colorado. Granted, I, I think it was just the best the best option they had, I'm, and I'm he sure. wasn't their long-term guy. I'm sure, uh, especially since I don't really think they are expecting to contend this year. Um, I don't think they are expecting that, much less most anybody else. Um, so giving it to a direct division rival probably isn't the biggest thing in the world in this case. And Arizona or yeah. Colorado probably was offering the best for for it. So So for me, I look at the three different aspects of this team. Offense, defense, and goaltending. Mm-hmm. The Coyotes have to have the worst offense in the division. They have to. They uh, don't mm-hmm. have a single a single player who I would define as a legitimate top line threat at this point. I think maybe even not even there. Yes. And maybe that's a result of the team being bad over the past couple of years. But I also have seen the trend of certain players doing well, despite being on bad teams. So I guess, you know, it depends on what side of the argument you lie on there. But I, at the moment, I'm not sold by Clayton Keller, uh, by Nick Schmaltz. I, I love him. But Phil Kessel's not what he used to be. Uh, they have Ryan Dezingle and uh, Larson, who are okay. Uh, Christian Fisher and Antoine Roussel are less than okay, but usable. And that leaves guys like Lawson Krauss and Jay Beagle to fill out the team. No thank you. And then you have question marks, you know, some rookies that could step into the team. Uh, Louis Erickson, I'd say, is a question mark, despite scoring in the preseason. Uh, Barrett Hayton, and what's gone on with his development? Big question mark. And uh, an old friend of yours, Dimitri Yaskin, yeah, coming I, back I, uh, from the KHL. I just noticed that he was on that roster, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah. that he came back. I mean, it's an interesting situation to come back to, because it's a situation where, as they always say, somebody has to put up points, even on bad teams. It's a great chance for him to get a foothold back at the NHL level, but that offense to me is just a disaster. And by design, but a disaster. I don't even know if Yashkin is necessarily your guy to put points up. He's your guy to stand in front of the net and try to get dirty goals, I guess. But like, I mean, I mean, looking at his NHL point totals in general, I don't think he's uh, the kind of guy that maybe on that so, team, but. Have Clayton Keller feed the puck to Dylan Genther, and if he doesn't score, if he can't, you know, if he can't be the Kovalchuk, then you have Yaskin be the Clarkson. Right, right. And bang in the rebounds. Right. Coyotes for the cup. I'm sold. <laughs> Coyotes for the lottery. I'm sold. Um, and actually, like, in my notes, uh, my biggest question 
about Arizona mm-hmm. is do they win the lottery? Oh, <laughs> that's my boy. biggest question for this do, for Arizona. Do they win the lottery? That's that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, obviously it's luck, right? right but they're going to be in the running for it. Now, I will say the best aspect to them is probably their defense, which I, I have agree. towards I have towards the high end. Of this division, shockingly, I was, I was surprised to see this. It is one of the more surprising situations, but you have Chikrin, who's fantastic. Uh, Leah Bushkin and Timmons are both better than some people might expect, at least in the roles they've been playing. Uh, and even Goss Despair, I think, is better than what some people would expect uh, compared to what people in Philadelphia have had to say sure. about him. But then again, even then, I feel like a lot of Flyers fans are maybe not overly happy about that situation. Uh, Strawman's past his prime. And Capobianco is an uncertainty. Maybe they have, you know, a younger player step into the lineup. But with Chikrin, Goss Despair, I don't hate Leah Bushkin Timmons for the bottom, you know, the second or third pairing. I don't hate that defense. No, but it's, it's when, really uh, when, a, when a slightly above average for the division defense is your highest talking point, that's, that's a bit scary. Yeah. And then they got Carter Hutton, who, again, old friend of mine. <laughs> uh, man, I love me some Hutton. Back in the day, uh, but after his time with Dare the Blues, I... he uh, go ahead, kind of, yeah, kinda went down, <laughs> and and it was really just that one season with the Blues that he he did so well. Um, and man, I don't know what it is about Jake Allen being a starter, but man, he just makes the backups I think work really hard, and then when he had his uh his yearly March mental breakdown, the the backups mm-hmm. would always be really good. So I, I will. Well, dare I say Hutton is easily the worst starter in this division. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I Like I said, <laughs> this was just the year that he was with the Blues backing up Jake mm-hmm. Allen. He, you know, the that tandem was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that, like, Yosef Koronar as a backup is, is going to be horrific compared to some of the other backups in the division. Uh, guys like Eric Comrie come to mind for being unproven. Uh, dare I say Vili Husso you, you uh, dare. comes to mind as a concern. I kind of lump them all him. into the same group. But for Arizona, I mean, you have the worst offense in the division on paper. You have the worst goaltending in the division on paper. That brings them to being my, my bottom place team in the Central Absolutely. this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, now, I completely agree with that. Um, I was going to say, any other thoughts on the Coyotes here before I piss some people off? <laughs> uh, I have to say, um, being new to the Central Division, I do kind of wonder, and j- just this year as a whole is going to be very interesting with the way a lot of teams play against other teams that they haven't seen in a year. You know, like, yeah. the Blues haven't seen the Blackhawks, for instance, since two years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I, Lots changed in that time. A lot has changed, and I, we, I'm mad at Vegas, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you have the right to be mad at Vegas. A lot of people, I think Vegas fans are mad at Vegas. Still, I think so Vegas fans are mad. It's at okay. That, yeah. Yeah. So we'll move. We'll move on then to my, uh, my my first my first prediction that is likely to rile some people up and i will say it's not intentional despite what some people may think i promise you it is not intentional 
But finishing in seventh in this division, I have the Dallas Stars. I don't know where you would have ranked no, Dallas. No, that's actually where I have them. Interesting. Boy, we but, are just two haters of Dallas, aren't we? Oh, I've been a hater of Dallas for a while. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. You, you, you take the lead on this one. I'm, so, in, I'm intrigued your thoughts here. As a Blues fan, that won't piss anybody off that you're saying the Stars are going to be just above Arizona. Uh, oh, no. I think they're going to be quite a ways above Arizona. Well, technically in the standings. I, I they'll mean, be just above. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I think Dallas is going to be good. I just don't think that they're going to stack up to the rest of the division, in my opinion. Mm. Um, really, my like my my playoff teams in the division, I think, could really flip flop any which way on where they mm. actually end up ranking, of course. And then the rest of my teams, it's kind of the same, except I'm, I'm pretty sure Arizona's going to be at the bottom. Sorry again, Tesla. Um <laughs> But, I, I mean, my 40. biggest question about the Stars is, um, and I wrote it this way, can the Stars' Stars continue to shoot to stardom? And it, that, that's, that's worthy of an old NHL headline from, like, 2014. That's, that's fantastic. I was a journalism I, major for a little while. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I will say I did not get to see much of them last year because I mainly watched the Blues last year. They were not in the same division. Because the, yeah. the divisions last year were all weird and dumb, but yeah, so I, I didn't I didn't see the stars play that much. Um, I know they were, I think they were pretty good, but I really, I mean, you know, you've got Jamie Ben, who is still good, I'm sure. And so see that 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 that's the intriguing part to me here, and. I, I guess before we're talking about the offense, I, I will mention about uh, their particular team. Notable departures. Uh, of course, Steven Johns retired due to concussion issues, which is still just a shame, that whole situation, although he still seems to be making the best of it. Uh, of course, follow him on Instagram. Uh, but major departures. Jason Dickinson traded to Vancouver. Jamie Alexiak off to Seattle. Uh, they lost Andrew Cogliano. Uh, and Sammy Votnin confirmed today, actually, is signing over in Switzerland. So... I mean, they lost some pieces, major additions, Braden Holpe, yeah. uh, Ryan Suter, and then it gets interesting because it's guys that you view as, you know, depth roles, if not, you know, the bottom line, bottom pairing. Uh, Alex Petrovich, uh, former blue Andreas Borgman, uh, Luke Glendening, Michael Raffle, Yanni Hockenpah. So you look, you look at this team, and I have... The Stars' offense ranked kind of middle of the road Yes, in that division. I have questions about Sagan and Radulov, which kind of lends mm -hmm. towards what you were saying about, hey, what are, what is the status of the Stars' stars at this point? Um, but, like, Ben, Pavelski, Hintz, and Jason Robertson, like, I rate them very highly. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But Jason Robertson, I think, is going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean he man, if it's a different really season... Good. If it's a different season and Nadelkovich isn't there, I wonder if he wins Rookie of the Year. Because it was a pretty good shout for him to do so. But it's it's their depth that scares me. Like, after Gurianov and Kiviranta, you're looking at guys like Blake Como and Radic Faxa and Luke Glendening and Michael Roffel. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm just not sold on that. Like, you would absolutely have to have your star players, especially Tyler Sagan, coming off of a 
ultimately game-changing, at least potentially it could be a game-changing injury for him, that's a lot that seemingly has to go right offensively for the Stars. I agree. I 100% agree. And then, I was going to say, if you have anything else to add, feel free, because then I get to really frustrate some people, I think. Go for it. I have the Stars' defense as maybe the worst in the division. And I'll tell you why. I feel like Miro Haskinen's the best defender on this team already. Mm -hmm. And Ryan Suter is probably the second best. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, it depends on what side of the argument you rely on. If you're heavy on the eye test, this stat or that. But I look at some of the numbers behind the games of John Klingberg and Essa Lindell. And I, I think they, you know, they might be in that reputation category where maybe they're not what they once were or as good as they could be and then you look at a likely third pairing potentially of Andre Sakara and Yanni Hockenpah and I think ideally you might want those guys as seventh or eighth guys instead of right. five six I just I have a hard time buying into that defense that that's all I'm saying yeah okay when you when you started getting into it, I, I totally see. When you when you first said it, I was like, what? And then That's no. why I said I'm gonna piss people off. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, no. Because <laughs> they'll just take it at face I value. I totally agree with you that um some of it is very reputation based with their with their defense and um we'll just kinda have to see how it goes, obviously. Um uh they they, they did lose last night in overtime. And you know blues. what they say? You'll lose in the preseason to the blues. You might as well be in the lottery. Now, hang on. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. The goaltending for the Stars, I got to be honest, I also have towards the bottom half. Um, I like Anton Hadobin. You can still argue whether or not you'd want him as your outright starter instead of like a 1A, 1B. And maybe they do have a 1A, 1B. It depends on Braden Holpe. Yes. And I I don't know if I can bet on Braden Holpe being Braden Holpe unless he plays the Boston Bruins because he always owned the Boston Bruins when he was at his, his peak with the Washington Capitals. He arrived and then tortured uh, myself and other Bruins fans for nearly six years. But I just, I don't know. I don't know, right? Like coming off of the season in Vancouver, you know, is it a situation where now he kind of refines his game and he's back or at least close to it to peak Braden Holpe if he is then it's tough to see the stars not making the playoffs because they do have two great goaltenders in that instance or at sure. least two very serviceable goaltenders but yeah it's just it's an interesting situation to me where I compare their goaltending to who the starters are on other teams and I don't know like I said I, I don't have them at the bottom but I have them you know kind of in the middle of the mix there yeah totally agree um I think like you said Hudobin it kind of it, it depends on how he plays. I mean, last year he only had a 905 um, oh. in that division. And I mean, he is still going to be seeing a couple of the same teams uh, Nashville and Chicago. I think that's it. But um, he's going to be seeing some, a lot of other teams as well that he hasn't seen in a while. And I, I think that is going to, I really do think that's going to play a huge factor into a lot of these matchups is all the teams that you didn't see last year. And I know I've, I've already said that once, I think, but yeah. No, I agree. I think it's going to be a really, really big change for and, and a wake-up call for some of these teams 
in in every yeah, division, no, I, every team. I I agree. I think it bears it bears repeating. I think that's a fact of especially you know early stages of the season will be. I think uh, Winnipeg is going to really get woken up a little. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited Canadian to get to Winnipeg teams all the time. Yes. Now I will say though, Winnipeg is not next on my list. No, me Finishing in sixth in this division, I have, and again, this is why people are going to be mad because I have Dallas in seventh. I have Nashville in sixth. All right, yeah, yeah, we're three for three so far. Interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Now, I will admit, there is one primary reason uh, for this, and I think most people would would probably agree because it is pretty much Nashville's only real bright spot. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll continue the trend of, I guess, going through offense, defense, and, and such. But in terms of in terms of moves that the Preds made this year, uh, they, you know, they were somewhat busy, just a little bit. You know, trading Ryan Ellis to Philadelphia for Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, and then flipping Nolan Patrick to Vegas for Cody Glass. And they traded up a couple of times at the draft as well. Uh, they weren't really all that active in the free agent market. Uh, big save, Dave. Dave Riddick, probably the uh, the biggest signing that they had there. And in terms of departures, they, they got hit relatively hard. They lost uh, Cali Arncroke. Of course, Eric Hall is gone. They also traded Victor Arvidsson at the beginning of July, even though that feels like that happened last year, because that's how time works. And, oh, no, they lost Eric Goodbranson. Whatever will they do without Eric Goodbranson? It's weird, though, because I still have their offense as probably the second worst in the division. I have them just above Arizona. Uh, it almost comes off as Philip Forsberg and his band of merry men. Yeah. Uh, they do have Matt Duchesne, who regular season looked rough, playoffs looked okay. I still don't mind Matt Duchesne. He's not, you know, the elite number one center he was thought to maybe be once upon a time. Yeah, no. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen looked pretty good last year for them, but from there, um, outside of uh, guys like Colton Sissons. It, 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 question marks like Ryan Johansson looks cooked if, as if he hadn't over the past few years. Uh, the Luke Cunning investment looks like a bad one. Rocco Grimaldi might be being played above his uh, his actual level. Cody Glass is completely unproven, as is Tanner Janelle, even though he had a good moment last year. Uh, and that leaves guys like Nick Cousins and Matthew Olivier who are who are fine. I would describe their offense as troublesome as advertised yes uh i think you really hit the nail on the head with uh philip forsberg and his merry men uh and that's if he doesn't get traded because <laughs> those rumors are going to persist true um and I, I i just i don't see I, I agree with you that i think just the other offenses in the league or in the division are just better i i think they're yeah. more well-rounded and just better because i mean again like you look you look at those and it's like the names that stand out are philip forsberg matt duchene and and ryan johansson and then you look a little closer and you're like oh hey matt duchene hasn't been good in a few years and then you keep looking closer and closer and yeah no i just don't think it's a very good offense then you get to their defense, which isn't the worst in the division, but I have it kind of in that bottom half. Roman Yossi still Roman Yossi. Yes. 
He's one of the best in the division, if not one of the best in the league still. Matias Ekholm is very solid. Uh, they have a younger guy like Alex Carrier, who's not that bad. Uh, and then from there, it falls off a cliff. <laughs> That's the best way I could think to say it. Like, Phil Myers is okay, but not yet, at least, what Flyers fans hyped him up to be once upon a time. Um, Mark Borowiecki is a good locker room guy, I'm sure. And then Dante Fabro hasn't quite taken to the NHL level yet. Um, but, but they have Roman Yossi, and they'll trade Ekholm at the deadline. I'm sure. Uh, so all's, all's well in Nashville. I will admit, upon reflection, maybe I put Dallas ahead of Nashville because I do see Nashville selling quite heavily at the deadline. So upon yeah. reflection, maybe I swap them around. <laughs> I mean, like I said, like my, my, my bottom and my top picks of the division could really mm-hmm. go any which way, except that one at the bottom. Um, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, no, I, I, I think... I think Nashville and Dallas, it could be a a battle for the 6th and 7th spot, quite possibly. But I, I maybe yeah. one of them pushes into a wild card. Who knows? Um, obviously, anything can happen. This is all entirely speculation, and we haven't seen these teams actually really play. So, And then we get to the reason why we both had Nashville in 6th. And it's their goaltending which I have probably in the top three of the division because I am a gigantic fan of what UC Soros is selling. Yeah. And in my opinion, he is the third best starter in this division. Uh, and based off some of the question marks other teams have back up, I don't view Dave Riddick as really all that bad of an option behind him. So 100% agree. Uh, go figure, as is tradition in Nashville, good goaltending, questionable in other aspects. Yeah, no, uh... Agreed. Uh, UC Saros does look incredible. I I think uh, the, the little bit that I did get to get to watch of Nashville last year, they definitely looked really good. Um, or UC Saros did, and I know that they are absolutely betting on UC Saros. Um, they're betting really hard on UC Saros, uh, according to pretty much every article I have seen about Nashville recently. So, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for Preds fans, but they, they know that. They, they expect this at this point. And uh, we'll get... Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, again, looking at how they haven't played against the... What we are saying... We have now said the, the top teams of the division are... Or at least the top five teams in the division, four of them have not played against Nashville in a year, or Nashville has not played against them. So division matchups, I think, who knows what's going to happen. I do agree. So, Alex, it's been great having you on the show. Um, St. Louis Blues are finishing in fifth. No. I No. I don't. <laughs> really? Really? I was, I was surprised at this um, as well, and I knew... I knew once really? this moment came that I would, uh, I'd probably lose you, uh, which is a shame because if you go, then I'm all alone. But hey, what are no, you gonna I do? Won't. I won't. Go. Um, so talking about the moves, the acquisition of Pavel Bushnevich, yes. I like a lot. Uh, the pickup of really Brandon Sod, I like Brandon Sod a lot too. And he looked really good a couple uh, nights ago. I like the addition of Logan Brown very recently through trades. Yes. St. Louis guy gives him a chance to maybe, you know, do something. And more importantly, it got rid of Sanford. 
a lot of why did blues fans hate Zach Sanford? You know, Can you fill I, me in he on was that? Really, just um, I think he was just a lot of people's scapegoat. In all honesty, mm. he really wasn't that bad. Um, but a lot of people blamed him for a lot of things, like just turnovers and things. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford actually uh, <laughs> tweeted the other night. Um, there uh, in the uh, first preseason game. Um, against Minnesota, and there was a turnover that led to a goal, and JR tweeted, well, I can definitely say Sanford did not cause that turnover. Um, which, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, he was just, uh, and a lot of Blues fans have just said, you know, he was just kind of our whipping boy. Like, hmm. he, Every yeah, team he has wasn't, one or two, so. He wasn't great. He really wasn't. Yeah. And, um, but the reason I say it's the most important part is because it freed up the cap space, which allowed mm. us to sign Robert Thomas. <laughs> and will likely uh, potentially get you to sign James Neal for dirt cheap if he does sign uh, off of a PTO. Yeah. A hat trick in yeah. Every season uh, so because, far. again, in that game against Minnesota, he did, in fact, look to be the real deal with that hat trick. There you go. And in I, terms I of losses. see that Neal jersey behind you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's over there in the corner. There yeah. it is. Um I will say, in terms of losses, like obviously uh, Carl Gunnarsson retired after a you know yeah. pretty damn solid career. We had talked about that on the show. Uh, Vince Dunn off to Seattle. Of course, Sammy Blay off to the Rangers. Uh, they lost Jaden Schwartz. They uh, lost Mike Hoffman, which I don't know how many Blues fans were actually upset about that. Uh, you know, the, the Hoffman thing was um, was really weird for Blues fans. Just Mike Hoffman yeah. in general was really kind of a. I don't think people really ever knew what to think about him because. For so long, he just didn't produce. And then all of a sudden, I, I think Barube finally realized how how to use Mike Hoffman. And mm. uh, then he was scoring like every power play, and it was fantastic. But other than that, you don't... I, I, and I, I remember actually, I did a, there was a I put in a viewer question one time late last season, and Deej basically said, Mike Hoffman is a power play specialist. You're going to use him. He's going to rip the puck in from the dots, and that's pretty much all he does. So, mm. like, yeah. But overall, like, I was sad to see him go because he definitely helped our power play, and ours yeah. is a power play that has struggled at times. Well, I will say, in terms of talking about the Blues offense, I have them with the top offense in the division. That surprises me. And how, I literally how can cap- you put them at fifth? Okay, it's because of Ville Husso. I know how much you hate Ville Husso. <laughs> and you're just mad that we still have Krug, that we have Krug now. So, allow me to explain my offensive take, and I agree it is perhaps controversial. But I view them as having the most well-rounded offense in the division. Uh, yes. Does that translate I, I, to I, best necessarily? No. See, will they score more goals than a Colorado? Not necessarily. But I look at how well-rounded their depth is, and that's where I come up with that top ranking in terms of offense. That's actually very surprising to me that you have them top ranked. I definitely have, I definitely have Colorado as the top ranked offense um, in the division. So, but. I look at them with high-end offensive threats still. Like, you have Ryan O'Reilly. Tarasenko, if he's healthy, has still been good when he's healthy. And he does I'm... seem to be healthy. Uh, but there are other questions around Tarasenko. 
that we can get into in a minute. But I really like David Perron. Me too. And I really like Pavel Bushnevich. And so, uh, I mean, those four. And in, in an interview, uh, Ryan O'Reilly described Brandon Saad as a Swiss Army knife. And that was my next point. I was going to say Saad still offers a lot. You have guys to help fill out the lineup that aren't necessarily pushovers, but like, you know, Shen, Kairu, Thomas. I'd have them in that next tier down at this point in terms of like offensive output, not that they're still not useful players. I think Robert Thomas and Jordan Kairu are in for a breakout season playing together. Then that makes me even more right than I already hope that I am. <laughs> even though people disagree. Like, you, know, you look and at like I'm the bottom of their lineup, though. Jersey. I would be, too. Like, Clifford, Bozak. I like Tyler Bozak coming back for dirt cheap as well. And Mackenzie McEachern are all serviceable in the bottom six. Like, their worst forward by far and away, sorry to Altex, is Barbashev. He's you like know, the only guy where I'm like, to be your worst I'd be unhappy. Forward? For Barbashev to be your worst forward, that's pretty good offense. That's that's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's I again, like in terms of that well-rounded nature, and I'll talk about it as we keep going through the teams. I I like the Blues' offense quite a lot. And then again, you could add James Neal into that mix, and if he can play to you know the best of his abilities, it only gets better. Uh, Barbershop got hurt last year, or I think he would have done a lot better. Um, Could be a factor. But I know I I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it. That <laughs> All way, right, so let's get let's get to the bad, shall we? <laughs> I, only half of their defense is bad. That's my point. <laughs> And I'm so glad you said that before I did. So I have them as one of and, probably... And I wouldn't necessarily say bad. Just not as good. Ungood. Ungood. That's my favorite term. Actually, wait. Can we go back to the offense? Because I wanted to talk about Tarasenko. Yeah, sure. Um, because the, the Tarasenko thing um, with the requesting a trade, that may not be gone. Like, mm, it, it definitely... Sure. He's all smiles on the ice. He looks really good. He is 100% healthy as of right now. Um, Mm -hmm. According to him and according to the Blues, he is 100% healthy. Um, Which makes you wonder why a trade didn't happen. Unless the Blues were just like, no, we're not going to trade you. It's just not going to happen. But I don't see why they would do that. Because you don't want a distraction to happen in the locker room. And I know there were interviews and everything that basically said, like, um, I, I, they literally said, like, it's not a distraction. And Tarasenko came out and said, like, I'm here to play, you know, and and thanked the Blues, uh, fans and everything for, for support and everything. But that could just be him. So, do you view it as him just playing ball and doing what he has to do in the meantime to not that's put what negative attention on himself? That, that's what I don't know. Because hmm. it could be that, or it could be, okay, yeah, everything's good. But, I mean, Jeremy Rutherford, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably use him a lot as a source here because mm-hmm. uh, he is one of the best ones, in my opinion, at least a very biased opinion because he's really the only one I look at. But 
Um, and he's back for, well, I was going to say, he's there, and you got Doug Armstrong yeah. now for five more years. Yeah, Doug and Armstrong for another five years. Um, who else are you going to trust? <laughs> um, but, okay. No, I, but, uh, no, Jeremy Rutherford's the, the writer for The Athletic. So yeah, I'm talking fair. About. Who's that confusing him with, the owner? Uh, I think you were confusing him maybe with Jim Rutherford. Maybe, yeah. Who is... Jesus. <laughs> I know of Jeremy Rutherford, too, in terms yeah, of, you know, just I, so I, being I the blues his, reporter. Uh, his St. Louis Post-Dispatch stories, and then he went to The Athletic, and he's literally the only reason I'm subscribed to The Athletic. But um, He is one of the reasons I'm subscribed to The Athletic. Because oh, hey. <laughs> he does really good stuff, not just about the blues. I don't know. I don't know. I just... May, I don't know. Maybe I was just tuning it out. I was focusing so much for those watching video-wise that... On a certain patch on that jersey, and I don't know, maybe it's just uh, just getting a bit uh, the, the bit captain riled right? up. That's the one you were looking yeah. at. Yeah. Anyway, Jeremy yeah. Rutherford said, um, "I totally lost my train of thought." Um, awesome, that was my goal. Perfect. Shall we talk about how bad the defense? Is? Uh, not yet. Um, Damn. Okay, yeah, we can until I remember it. Yes, you were talking about Tarasenko, by the way. I'll give you. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I know. I know. All right, cool. So, uh, uh, the Blues' defense is trash. I wouldn't say okay, maybe trash. Maybe not. I wouldn't say trash either, in fairness. I would um, say the, the, the big question mark, the very, very large, very large question mark. They have a couple of large question marks no, on no, that No, no, no. It's large because of his actual physical size is Colton Breaker. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they have a couple of large men in stature that I'm concerned over. Um, I'll say this, unsurprisingly, as a Bruins fan, I still rate Tory Krug. Everyone else, I have concerns. I have concerns over Justin Falk. I think a lot of Blues well, fans I do, I mean, too. just remember that Colton Pareko beat you in the Stanley Cup final. I remember. I Even have concerns over Colton. Krug, who took out I Robert con- Thomas. It's true. I have concerns over Colton Pareko, despite that shiny new contract. I absolutely have concerns about Colton Pareko. But if he's healthy... Tell me all about him. Hey. I'm concerned about his health, just his health, because he uh, he went down to uh, injury last year, and that was pretty much one of the big things. Uh, his uh, back injury, and then he just wasn't really wasn't really the same Pareko um, as he was before. Uh, but I don't think he was ever fully healthy, and I think with the shortened season, they had to kind of rush him back. Um, but I think sense, if yeah. he is back to what he was, I think it's going to be very, very, very good for the Blues. Makes sense. Um, you know, even Robert Bortuzzo, I'd still define as fine. I would define him as know. fine. Okay. I was going to say, was that fair? A fair assessment? That's fair. Define him as fine. I, I'm surprised that you even said that, though. I'm surprised you didn't just call him dirty and... <laughs> I want to, trust me, I'm trying to be nice. Um, but I feel like Falk, Pareko, kind of being closer to that fine category than good is a problem. Uh, Falk? I, I, might, I, might be, I might be wrong in that assessment in that they deserve to be in a higher category than that, but what I was looking at has me a little bit worried. That's fair. Um, so, I mean, my pretty much what I wrote down is um, the defense really revolves around how good Pareko, Krug, and Falk can be for us this year. Mm-hmm. Falk took a massive step up 
when Petrangelo left. Yes. Krug needs to be the Krug that was advertised to the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Pareko needs to be Pareko again. And I think if those three things, if, if Falk can stay as he was last year, I think mm-hmm. that will be very good. And if Pareko can be Pareko again, and Krug yeah. can, like I said, be what was advertised to us, uh, then I think our defense looks a lot better. Um, and I, then I, get... I agree with Bortuzzo being fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and I, as I know, you're about to say, then you have Scandella mm-hmm. and Mikola, and Mikola, who are meh third pairing options, I would say. Um, They're okay. I mean, I maybe would have Scandella in the second pair, and I would have Bortuzzo in the third pair personally, but not bad. Let Bortuzzo kind of raise Mikel up a little bit. Maybe someone raises Scandella up a little bit. That's not a horrible way to go. But I'm just kind of like you're saying, Bortuzzo's right? Like, a little bit of a liability sometimes, and he's mainly there for his physical play. I just view it as there are surprisingly more question marks than I would have thought. Like, I think if that defense plays to the best of their ability, they're one of the better in the division. But heading into the season, and that's what this is about, Mm -hmm. I I have more question marks surrounding their defense than I thought that I would have. Yeah, I know. Uh, For a long time, uh, you think of the St. Louis Blues, and you think of their incredible defense, and then we lost Petrangelo, and then we lost Vince Dunn, and now we're here. Yeah, the Vince Dunn loss hurts a lot still it, it hurts more than i thought it was going to i didn't Especially i didn't dislike vince dunn uh let me say that you I were one of the rare few him. apparently what you were one of the rare few apparently yeah apparently apparently i i liked him <laughs> um and i was surprised to see him get taken and not tarasenko yeah, I mean that was that was. One I of still those can't moves, believe right? Seattle didn't take Tarasenko or Carey Price, or Max Domi. Or, yeah. Um, yep. There's this. We're going to be talking about that Seattle expansion for a long time. Yeah. Uh, what we won't be talking about for a long time is St. Louis's goaltending, which I have, as you would greatly expect, uh, towards the basements of this division. Um, call it salt for 2019, but I, I don't think Jordan Bennington has shown no, he that consistently that he can be what he was in that 2019 cup run, which was one of the best goalies in the world at certain times. Uh, and then again, as you know, I have incredible doubts about Billy Huso, and I am shocked that they didn't make a move to go and get somebody else that they could maybe bank on a little bit more. But again, maybe they see something there with Huso where they're like, okay, he's going to he's gonna figure it out. They have had Huso in their system for a long time. Yes. Uh, long enough that... Uh... It was uh, the year that the Blues kind of lost their ECHLT. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right, because of all the, the relocations and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so, like, we kind of lost our ECHL team, and so, like, some of the players went to the Kansas City Mavericks. I live in Kansas City. Um, I go to the Kansas City Mavericks games quite a bit. Um, hmm. I've actually met Villejuzo, um, which is actually really cool. Uh, just fun story but uh he's a really cool guy and i know that doesn't translate to being a good goaltender but i think that um it can translate to why someone would keep him around though like you know good locker room presence is definitely a factor for a lot of teams and i think that's part of it 
Uh, and I just think that having watched him for so long, having watched him develop, I think that they're hoping that this year he can be get be get better. Um, <laughs> that he can he can get better and uh, be an actual solid backup, and that Bennington mm. goes back to being the solid starter that he was. Um, yeah. I think last year is so hard to base much off of last year for so many reasons, shortened season and so many different things. Um, but I mean, the, the 1920 season, even he looked not as good as he was before, before the pandemic shut everything down. But then, uh, in the bubble, I mean, he just looked awful. And like, he just looked really bad in the bubble. Yeah. Um, so I, I can understand from your perspective as a blues fan, obviously you're naturally going to be more optimistic and look, you know, having the blues for me in fifth in this division doesn't mean they're not a playoff team. Oh well. yeah, no, absolutely. You know? I, I mean, that they're still going to be a playoff team in fifth. And that's, that's the big question, right? Of course, is that Pacific division, which we'll get to, uh, not this upcoming Friday, but next Friday or the Friday after that, I think it's the eighth, if I'm not mistaken, uh, good friend of the show. At least that's the game plan at the moment. But one sin for the win is projected to be back. So I am certainly intrigued to see what he has to say about the Sharks and their chances at that point. But I wanted to mention that because up next for me at number four, I have another team that I can't say for certain they're going to finish in a top three spot to make the playoffs. But I could easily still see them making the playoffs. That is the Winnipeg Jets. So I had them in fifth. Um, Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I had them in fifth. Um, and I had them so low just because I think, again, playing against not only Canadian teams is going to be completely different than it was last mm-hmm. season for them. Because, like, that division was very, very different than the rest. That's fair. I mean, I will say, too, I, I like that you're factoring in that as much as you are. Because, admittedly, it didn't really cross my mind as much. And, I mean, time will tell whether or not it is as legitimate as a factor, though, right? But it, it is worth saying, obviously, because, you know, it is one of the things that could ultimately be a gigantic factor on this season. How do certain teams react to coming off of the absurdity that was last season? So... And I, mean, I, this, I agree with that. This division only has the one Canadian team. Right. So this is the only team that has to deal with other, you know, teams that they didn't play against at all last year in their division. Mm. They didn't play any of these teams last year. So it's just interesting, going to be interesting to see how that uh, can potentially affect Winnipeg, um, and and on this one, I, I yeah, I I think it's the biggest uh, the biggest question mark is just going to be how playing against other teams they do. So in terms of the Jets off season, uh, you know, in terms of, I mean, again, I, I kind of look at everything, you know, certain trades that happened or whatever. Um, you know, there, there weren't a, a ton of trades. Uh, I think I could, I think I could sum it up 
that way. Uh, they acquired Brendan Dillon from Washington for two second round picks, which is insane. I love that pickup. And they got Nate Schmidt for a third. Uh, in terms of other new arrivals to the team, though, it's it is lacking a little bit. Um, you know, when like Riley Nash is one of the the top pickups at that point, that's a little bit concerning in terms of player departures. They lost Mason Appleton to the Kraken, uh, like Derek Forbort, Trevor Lewis, uh, Tucker Pullman, Braswa, uh, Jordy Ben, and Matthew Perot. Uh, and Sammy Nico as well, most recently to Montreal. I don't know if there are any gigantic losses there, but I look at this team. We'll start off with the offense as we've been doing, and I have them kind of towards the, the bottom half. I think you could argue for a higher rating. Um, there are question marks uh, for other teams in this division, uh, you know, certainly up top, but I think you know you, when you're having to wonder like how valuable a, a Christian Veselin and a Jansen Harkins or a Luke Johnson could provide over, say, other like with Dallas, we talked about Tyler Sagan. You know, Tyler Sagan, you're willing to bank on being able to provide a bit more than say all of those question marks I just mentioned for the Jets. Now they do have no doubt guys: Ellers, Shifley, Connor, Dubois. Well, still Shifley all great. He's unsuspended. Yeah, that's he does have. Does he have a carryover? Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, well, man, those eyes won't last that long. Those eyes after that hit, that, he just—that's right. The the just the massacre. I forgot. Yeah, about. that seems like it happened three years ago, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that. My was, like, God, I forgot months. all about that. Yeah, no, I uh, I forgot about it. I was like, oh man, Shifley, something happened with him, right? And then I saw <laughs> suspended as his status mm-hmm. on cap and they're like oh yeah he's the one that did the hurting he is the one that did the hurting uh so i agree when he when he's back he'll still probably be great as long as he calms down with the the red mist yeah getting eyes <laughs> like he's in i haven't mentioned it on the show i mentioned at the end of last show i'm like i'm gonna spend my weekend watching midnight mass on netflix uh mark shifley getting eyes like some characters in midnight mass watch that show by the way it's fantastic there you go netflix again another free plug um Big, big fan of the director of that, though. He's done a lot of good stuff. Check it all out. Especially, it's almost spooky season. It's almost October. Um, but, like, Andrew Kopp, still really solid. Um, Paul Stashney, at his advanced age, still really solid. I have one of those. Uh, but on on top of, like, again, the vessel line at Harkin Johnson is question marks. You have a big question mark in Blake Wheeler, because he needs a big bounce back season. Yes. And then you need guys like Adam Lowry and Riley Nash to step up. There's just... There's a lot of talent, but man, there's a lot of question marks with Winnipeg's offense for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I didn't pay enough attention after the trade last year. Did Dubois look better? I think he got hurt at the start. Like there was an injury there, and then he started I mean, he got to kind of checked in the face yesterday. <laughs> True, the suspension-worthy cross-check from Greg. So, yeah, he just can't seem to catch a, a break. I mean, let's not take that literally. I yeah. guess, depending on the severity of certain injuries, but um, it's been a bit of a rough. It was a bit of a rough transition for both he and Line A yes. on their new teams. Yes, I, I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, unless you have anything else to add about the offense, not really. Should I talk I, about the defense? I think um, I, I agree with you. Uh, they definitely have some players that are going to be what they were, and then they have a lot of question marks. And I just think that the the, the fact that there's a lot of question marks is 
uh, scary for them. <clears throat> That's fair. Uh, defensively, though, I have to say it's a similar situation where I have them kind of mid-table in terms of their the defensive ratings for me. Um, I don't I don't know if the Josh Morrissey hype even exists anymore, but if you you look at a lot of his numbers, it paints a really troubling story for who's supposed to be the top defender on that team. Again, maybe he still passes the eye test. I think it's the same story for Nate Schmidt, who they picked up for basically pennies on the dollar from Vancouver, where he needs to show that he can be what he once was. Um, some people will say he can't do that without potentially failing another test, and I don't know what to say to that. I don't know. <laughs> There's still some people who... I saw that a lot on Reddit, especially when that trade happened. People still giving Nate Schmidt uh, a ton of Schmidt, I think is the best way uh, to phrase that. I am going to be a horrible dad. Um, but you look at the rest of that defense. And no, that's not confirming anything, because I just realized people might think that. Um, Neil Pionk has been great. You know, I think that deal has worked out tremendously well for both the Rangers and getting Truba. It took him a little bit longer to get going, but I still really like Neil Pionk as an offensive defenseman. Dylan DeMello is still an analytical darling. If you think he passes the eye test, it is what it is. But then, as I mentioned, they added Brendan Dillon, which I can't believe Seattle didn't do. I don't know how Seattle didn't add Brendan Dillon. And similar to other teams, right? Like like we said with St. Louis with the offense, when Logan Stanley on defense is their worst option, that's not bad. It's just I have question marks about Morrissey and about Schmidt because similar to the St. Louis situation with Falk and Pareko, they need to elevate their game a little bit if they do. Winnipeg's that much better. But from a perspective of a preseason kind of outlook, those question marks are there. For sure. I, I definitely agree. Um, they've got their bright spots. They've got their question marks. Pretty much all around, Winnipeg has that. Well, in a way. And that brings us to goaltending. I mean, yeah, here's, which, here's, here's the great equalizer for the Jets, right? It's similar right. to Nashville. Um, Connor Hellebuck is the best starting goalie in this division. I know he is now competing with the Vezina Trophy winner from last year, but if you say you can have one goalie from this team uh, to win your team a hockey game, I would take Connor Hellebuck, uh, hands down. But I'm not sold on Eric Comrie as the backup. He is very much in that Coronar, Huso territory of I'm a bit concerned. He, on paper, is a downgrade from Brassois. But I have to have Winnipeg as one of the top, maybe two, if not maybe down into third because of the backup situation, goaltending situations in general in this division because Connor Hellebuck is unbelievable. Yeah, no, Connor Hellebuck is definitely uh, definitely the reason I had them as high up as I did. It makes sense, right? Uh, yeah. So... Unless you got anything else to add, again, we can move on into um, what I have as the top three. And I'm intrigued to see if you agree. You might not agree on the order. But at three, I have the Minnesota oh, Wild. Oh, wait. No, never mind. Never mind. We didn't skip <laughs> any numbers. I forgot that you had St. Louis lower at five. Yes. Yes, I did. So, but, so is that you saying you'd have St. Louis at three or four? I did have them at third, yes. In my real rankings, in my biased rankings, I had them in second. 
Yeah, in my biased rankings, I didn't even have them at first. I hey, that's that's just brutal honesty. I mean, I have to do the same thing with the Bruins, right? For my biased rankings, when I get to that division, gonna have to do the uh, the same thing. But so for Minnesota here, right? Because I think a lot of people are gonna be like, so you have Chicago in your top two. I, I understand some concerns. We'll get to Chicago maybe soon or very soon. Who's to I, say? My bias leaked into my Chicago ranking, even on my real rankings a little bit, I think. I have them at fourth, personally. Um, I don't think that's unfair. We'll, we'll hold off on Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Minnesota, in terms of potential moves this offseason, um, I mean, you know, yeah, really their offseason trades were like highlighted by Jesper Wallstead, you know, the trade up to get him in the first round. In terms of players joining the team, they picked up Alex Goldogoski on defense, which I'll talk about that in a minute. Dmitry Kulikov on defense. Uh, John Merrill on defense. Jordy Ben on defense. Uh, the only forwards they signed were Frederick Goodrow and Dominic Turgeon. Aside from, of course, re-signing certain players. And players leaving, um, they actually had a lot of guys leave the team. Obviously, the trade of Suter. Um... Or the uh, the buyout of Suter. Yeah, it feels like a trade, but Suter goes. Parise goes. Marcus Johansson is off to Seattle. Um, Ian Cole to Carolina. Nick Benino went to San Jose. Like they, they lost some pieces. But I look at Minnesota and starting off with the offense, I still can't help but think that they have arguably a top three offense in that division. Um, primarily, of course. Thank God Kaprizov stayed. Uh, who knows where their ranking would be without him, but I still rate Erickson Eck, uh, Zuccarello, Fiala, Marcus Felino, even someone like Nico Sturm in his role has been solid, um, even in a somewhat limited sample size at times. But I do have concerns about their depth again, which is why the Blues rate so highly. But, you know, you need guys like Greenway, Hartman, and Victor Rask to be much better. Um, you do, you know, you did just sign Frederick Goodrow, as I mentioned, and he'll, he'll be a decent bottom six option with Nick Bjorkstad. Maybe what they need is for someone like Marco Rossi to step into this lineup and push someone out like a Kyle Rao, who I can't believe. Hey, good for him to be in the conversation of making a team starting lineup. But it, it again, is the depth concerns for Minnesota that uh, that had me a little bit worried. But it's still, a, in theory, a pretty damn good offense. I agree. I think um, if, if their entire offense is able to stay healthy and they don't need to focus on depth, and they don't need to to rely on that depth. I think it's definitely a scary offense. Uh, but how often does that happen? That's that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, not to uh, not to bring it up again for you, but depth is what won the Blues the cup. That's that's what I'm saying. See, that's why I wanted you on the show when I was talking about depth. Because you get it. As a Bruins fan, I get it. Especially even the teams I saw the Bruins lose to. Such as the Blues. Depth is uh, depth is a killer. And so is the defense yeah. for the Wild. Which I have as the second best defense in this division. Um, I think Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen are fantastic. Dmitry Kulikov, who I mentioned that they signed, is a sneakily good player uh, that I rate much more highly over Alex Goligoski. I get the reason for dropping Suter, but man, if they could have kept Suter and not brought in Goligoski, the team would be better off for it now. Um, 
I'm intrigued to see if someone like Matt Dumba can kind of bounce back. You know, again, he's another one of those guys where um, the reputation is still intact. And for all intents and purposes, that's on ice reputation, not like off ice. Again, no doubt that he's an incredible guy. But like on ice, I think people still view Matt Dumba as like this legitimate number one guy. And the numbers don't add up to that over the past few years. Uh, you know, it might, again, similar situation to the offense, take someone like Kalen Addison taking a spot away from someone like Jordy Ben, because factoring him into that defense core, it does knock the rating a little bit. But, again, Spurgeon, Brodeen leading the way. I really like Kulikov. It's a it's a pretty damn good defense. I agree. Um, and I know... I. I have to imagine most of that defense was not starting in the preseason game the other day because the Blues won 6-2. to two. Um, But I, I didn't really look at the, the starting lines for the, the Wild, I'm totally honest. Um, I barely got to watch the game at all. But <laughs> all that matters is the scoreboard, especially at the, in the preseason. Yeah, I, and, and at the end of the game, specifically. Yes. Um, you, you won't be surprised to hear this. Their goaltending is uh, the reason why I have them in third. Um, similar situation to Dallas. Cam Talbot being your 1A, if not your outright starter. I don't hate Cam Talbot. I just still have some concerns over that long term. I... Capo Kakinen's hardly the worst backup in the division, but he started off really hot last year and then tapered off, if I'm not mistaken. I I just have some concerns. That's all about Minnesota. I don't think they're in this horrific, horrible spot. I still have them making the playoffs, but compared to some other teams, yeah, just that, that goaltending, man. It just it worries yeah. me a little bit. You know, Talbot Kakinen as the as the tandem. And yeah, Capo Kakinen ended up finishing with a 902 save percentage last year when it was up over, I feel like, a 920 for the majority of the uh, like the first half of his 24 games. So he really did kind of taper off a little bit there, which is to be expected. I mean, he's, he's 25 and had only uh, five prior NHL games worth of experience before that. So it's, uh, it's almost to be expected. Right. Yeah, no, uh, their, their goaltending is for sure iffy. Hmm. Now, I will say my uh, my notes for Minnesota, uh, and mm-hmm. here's exactly what I wrote. Capper's off. Fuck. Crash jerseys. <laughs> playoff bound contender. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, right? Like, the, the team they are and the way they're structured. If you were to tell me the Minnesota Wild are going to go on a run and win the Stanley Cup, I wouldn't be overly shocked, you know? Wouldn't be overly shocked. Oh, boy. So, he's, uh, he's, he's digging into something. Pardon my technical difficulties here. It's oh, like I... fair enough. All good. A dead uh, headset won't shut us down. Don't know if you can hear me. Let me know if you can. But um, even I'm if you can't. Okay, he's back. He's here. We're good. Got a lot of the old technical difficulties. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I heard the uh, the low battery beeps, and I was trying to find a good time to, to switch it out, but <laughs> there just wasn't one. It's all good. So I didn't it's hear like good. half of what you just said, but I'm sure it was all... It's it was fantastic. I'm sure it was. Expert analysis. I'm sure. And we'll move on to talking about the team that I have finishing in second. The Chicago Blackhawks. If you had put think... Chicago in first over Colorado, <laughs> I probably would have just left. So, see, the Blues, the Blues slander isn't enough. But 
So with Chicago, here is uh, here, here's my analysis with them. And of course, you know, there is a lot to talk about with this team from just a hockey perspective, which is all we're going to talk about with them at this point in time. Okay. In terms of trades, obviously, some things and stuff happened for Chicago this offseason. They traded Duncan Keith to the Edmonton Oilers for Caleb Jones, uh, basically. And, of course, there was a a draft pick in there as well because Edmonton is just the best. They acquired Seth Jones, uh, essentially for Adam Boakfist, Cole Stillinger, Uh, and other draft picks as well. At NHL 22 Superstar X Factor, Seth Jones. They acquired Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, I'm for I, nothing. I, I just don't want to talk about it right now. Can we just move on? They traded Brent Seabrook's contract to Tampa for Tyler Johnson in a second, and acquired Nikita Zadorov for a third in 2022 that previously belonged to Toronto. In terms of other free agent moves, they brought in former Oiler Jujar Kara, as well as former Buffalo Sabres defenseman Jake McCabe. And in terms of departures, I mean, aside from who was mentioned, they lost David Camp uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then, you know, depending on how big of a deal you want to make of Pia Suter and Vinny Hinostroza, uh, Vinny Hinostroza stumbled through that, and uh, say like Zach Smith retiring, there aren't that many major losses and it, it brings me to their offense, which admittedly I have in the middle, you know, probably around the four or five spot in the division. The, the biggest question mark, without a doubt, is Jonathan Tate. Absolutely. That After sitting exactly out what I was gonna say. all of last year. For a lot of my question mark players, I kind of hit them all with the same grade in terms of like, okay, how much of an impact did they make on the roster? But for Jonathan Taves, I couldn't help but think back to how well he played in the bubble. Of course, after sitting out all of last year, you got to think all the way back to the bubble, which was only a year ago. Um, and he played some of the best hockey of his career. So I can't help but give Taves the benefit of the doubt in saying that he's going to have a great season. And then you factor in that I still rate Alex Dabrinkit and Dominic Kubalik highly. Um, Patrick Kane? still gets results. It's very tough for me to sit here and say that I don't rate him as highly anymore when he still puts up the points that he does uh, because you can argue that's the most important thing. Like, hey, screw your numbers. If this guy gets results, who cares? Right. So it's it's a very tough stance to take. But um, some of those concerns, right? Like some of the between, like, okay, between scoring goals, what happens? Oh, that play is a bit down. Well, maybe Jonathan Taves returning is exactly what he needs to have those numbers perk back up. I don't yeah. doubt that at all. And then from there, I don't mind Strom. Tyler Johnson, I still think, has gas in the tank. And Brett Connolly, if you play him in the right role, can still be a useful player. Same as like a Brandon Hagel, who they already have. So like the, the biggest question marks are Kirby Doc, who's still incredibly young and coming off of an injury last year. And then guys, I mean, Nylander, same thing for Alex Nylander. But then you got like Borgstrom and Ryan Carpenter. So that hurts them a little bit for me. But, you know, similar to, say, the Blues, right? If not, maybe a little bit better in terms of like the top haveness. But again, you can see like why I had the Blues where I did because their depth is much more set and seemingly certain. So I do have those concerns about Chicago. But yeah, maybe a lot of it does just hinge on uh, how one thinks Jonathan Taves will do. 
and I, I think their entire season, not to put any pressure on the guy, might be around Jonathan Taves and how yeah. how he uh, is able to come back and if he is able to return to form and how long it takes him to return to form uh, after sitting out for an entire year. Last time he played mm-hmm. was in the bubble. So that being an entirely different, completely different uh, environment, obviously, and then sitting out mm-hmm. for a year. It's it's question mark and for sure nothing we'll be able to know anything about until until we see him play. So yeah. Now the defense I have right in the middle as well, and you're gonna know the reason as to why. Um, I don't buy into the Seth Jones hype at all. What? I mean, maybe I'm a bit maybe I'm a bit too entrenched into the analytical side of things. He could turn it around. Who's to say, but I've used the term reputation player a few times. That is what Seth Jones is. He has carried that reputation because at one time he did play at a very high level. That said, while I don't buy into his hype, I really do like Jake McCabe and Calvin DeHaan when they're healthy. That's a big question mark is if they're healthy, but I do like both of them when they're healthy. Connor Murphy is very underrated in how solid of a defenseman he is in a top four situation. And Riley Stillman as well, maybe unproven, but some positive numbers there. Yeah, If Jones can turn it around, they look even better. And then you talk about, oh, well, who else fills out that team? And whether or not it's it's like an Ian Mitchell or a Caleb Jones that helps fill out that, you know, the top six defenders doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, neither's been that great in their career so far, but their defense is is okay. It could be even better if Seth Jones can, can figure it out. I... I just, I hope I'm not a betting man. I'd have a hard time betting on someone making that complete turnaround, like that drastic of a turnaround. And again, I test wise, maybe Seth Jones passes every marker. You know, it, it, I guess you can get into that debate once more of I test versus analytics and where do you weigh the importance of it. But, uh, you know, sure. their success, I mean, their offensive success hinges on Jonathan Taves, their defensive success hinges on Seth Jones and it's it's tough to maybe still put them in second off of that but there is a reason for that that we'll get to in a minute yeah no uh, I think you pretty much covered all the defense Uh, not much I can really add to that Uh, I totally agree I don't don't really think Seth Jones I'll ask you the question does will Seth Jones be worthy of his twenty NHL twenty twenty two X Factor by January? I think he'll be worthy of the rating that you give him on opening day. <laughs> I don't even know what that's going to be yet, but I can't wait. I don't even know what his uh, actual rating is going to be yet, but it's probably going to go down like ten, just because I know you, and I know EA. Fair enough. Now their goaltending. I have this as the best. I am tandem so mad at Vegas in the division. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, here's Mark Andre Fleury. We'll take this guy. Okay, we're gonna let that guy walk. Oh okay. So so here's Fleury for nothing. So I said earlier, and I, I stand by it. Like I, I take Connor Hellebuck over Mark Andre Fleury to you know, despite Flower winning the Vesna this past season. I, again, I'm glad Fleury got it. It secures his spot in the Hall of Fame. Andre Vasilevsky was the best goaltender last year. Don't yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I it it might have not to really like conspiracy things or anything, but it might have been a 
we didn't give this to you one year, but you really deserve it. So here it is this year. The Leonardo DiCaprio Revenant Award, as it has often been compared to. Now, their backup is Kevin Lankinen, if not their 1B. And again, he he carried a lot of games for the Hawks last year. Uh, The numbers, kind of similar to uh, other goaltenders that I've pointed out, didn't maybe stay the most consistent throughout the year. But he did finish the year with a 909. And, again, that was behind a fairly bad team, which I do try to take into account as well. So I can't help but think that they have the best one-two punch in goal in the division. And for that reason, it boosts them up a little bit, despite the big question marks for their hopefully marquee players on uh, offense and defense. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm just so mad. (laughs) And I I can't even, like, quantify, like, actually talking about Marc-Andre Fleury. Because just seeing him in the Chicago jersey, like, just it just makes me mad. It just you are me. the 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 physical manifestation of the angry Arthur with the clenched fist meme. Yeah, when you think about Marc Andre Fleury as a Blackhawk, it, uh, it it would be less frustrating if it was like a legitimate trade or something. If yeah. they like had to give something up, yeah, had to you know do literally anything other than give them a player that then got released and i didn't they sign him again like or, or did i just um, imagine that that was i think that was gavin bayreuther with seattle who seattle took him and he just went right back to the blue jackets which was seattle saying well we don't want max domi so whatever uh mikhail hakarainen is currently according to elite prospects he's back in finland okay. with uh tps in liga so yeah he, he has left uh north america but um yeah, how great would that have been if he went back to Chicago? Oh so I just imagined that because I, I definitely like when I when I heard that he uh, was cut or let go or whatever, or they just didn't re-sign him. I was like, Chicago's gonna pick him back up now, aren't they? I just yeah, I mean that, that's kind of my prediction, right? So, um, yeah, I mean again, Chicago, a lot of question marks. I do have them rated highly. That brings us to our final team, to the surprise of nobody. I think anybody who doesn't have the Colorado Avalanche as their number one team in this division is just putting out a hot take for like the I sake said, of putting out a hot even take. in my bias rank- rankings of this division, I had Colorado in first. In terms of their moves, uh, they sent Ryan Graves to New Jersey, picked up forward Mikhail Maltsev in a draft pick for that. Uh, they acquired Curtis McDermott from Seattle for a fourth for some reason. Uh, and then acquired Darcy Kemper for Connor Timmons, a first-round pick, and a conditional third. Uh, in terms of other players joining the team, uh, guys like Darren Helm, uh, Ryan Murray on defense, Jack Johnson currently has a PTO. I think some people forgot and about that. So, so does Artem Anisimov. Yeah, Artem Anisimov has a PTO with them as well. And then departures, there were actually quite a few. Of course, Ryan Graves in the trade, Jonas Donskoy is on his way to Seattle. Uh, Matt Calvert. Matt Calvert retired. Brandon Saad is gone. Patrick Nemeth. uh, Belmar. There was was quite a bit of turnover for this Avs team, but uh, I still have them 
with the second best offense behind the St. Louis Blues. And again, to explain that, yes, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, Burakovsky. Yes, I said Burakovsky. Not quite to McKinnon level, but really good. I don't know, man. You Andre said it in the same sentence as the other ones, so. I, I did. I did. I said what I said. Um, so that group's incredibly tough to deal with. But then the problem. Um, outside of somebody like Valeri Nachushkin, I have questions on their forward depth. Yeah. I have questions for Nazem Kadri, not just for the suspension I issues. Say, but I've got a lot of questions for Nazem Kadri. <laughs> it, it wasn't his best season last year. I have questions of Tyson Jost and JT Comfer, who need to step it up. Uh, someone like Logan O'Connor was was decent last year, and so was Mikhail Maltsev, who just came over from New Jersey. But those are two young, relatively unproven players at the NHL level. Uh, Darren Helm is okay. And then, you know, you're looking at an X-Factor, like I said, with Minnesota and Rossi. You're looking at someone like maybe Alex Newhook. I mean, again, St. Louis has the most... X-Factor in NHL 22? Yes, confirmed. (laughs) Confirmed. Um, Dude, it's just, I look at this team and they're so top-heavy at forward. And there's no denying how important it was that Landeskog stayed. And McKinnon and Rantanen are obviously unbelievable. I just have the worries about... The depth, I and think, like we've talked about in the um, show, depth kills in the yeah. playoffs. So, Brandon Saad, for them, in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. did incredible. I, I think Brandon Saad beat the Blues by himself last year. Mm. Or pretty close. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I, I said it earlier, Ryan O'Reilly described him as a Swiss Army knife. Losing mm. that, I think, is going to affect them. Um. I mean, they still have, you know, Renton and Landon Scott McKinnon and all, all everything else that that team has. And then their defense as well, um, which we'll get to. But I think, mm. like you said, though, they're very top-heavy. And once you kind of get past the top, there's some question marks. Or maybe not question marks, but... Concerns. Yeah. I think rightful concerns. Now, I will say, for the most part, I don't have too many concerns about their defense. Um, I, I'm i sorry. I have Colorado with the top defense in the division. I have one concern with their defense. Or one, maybe, question mark, I guess. And it's okay, Eric I Johnson. actually have two concerns. Yeah, okay, so I'll, I'll get to that then. Uh, they have three of the best defenders in the division. In Makar, Taves, and Sam Girard, who I all rate very highly. And uh, actually, Taves got injured as well. Did he? I must have missed that. Uh, How badly? Saw something about that. Interesting. Um, to, to that point, then, again, injuries can obviously affect every team. Right. They are taking a risk with Ryan Murray and Eric Johnson, uh, both of whom have some injury concerns for sure. And then you still have someone like Bowen Byram, who's still young and relatively unproven. But in a way, I almost give them more credit to say they'll find a way to add to their defense if they have to. Like, you watch, they'll find a way to land Ekholm from Nashville at the deadline, and it's going to suck. And it's going to suck for everybody else. But, again, Makar, Taves, Gerard, if this defense can stay healthy, it's it's fantastic. I agree. Uh, absolutely agree. <laughs> There's not not much more to really say about it. Um, hmm. I definitely think that their, their defense is very solid. Um, but... I, I guess there is 
uh, just Eric Johnson coming back after mm-hmm. last year. Um, well, if it's not Eric, it gets to be Jack, so that'll be fun. <laughs> God. You know how be- you know how jealous I am of Avs fans? They're just like, oh yeah, we might have Eric, an injured and old Eric Johnson, or Jack Johnson on our defense. Cares. Look at the rest of the team. And they're almost not wrong. It's ridiculous. Uh, to the final point here, goaltending, I actually have middle of the road. Um, and to explain that, obviously Kemper replaces Grubauer, who went to Seattle. I see that as almost a lateral move. Like, I look at the numbers behind Kemper and Grubauer, I really don't see that much of a difference, especially with Kemper being on a worse team. I think they're fine there. Um, Francois, though, as the backup, he's been really good when healthy. But that's another part of the problem, is you have another injury concern there. And in terms of their like third string, I don't even know who their third string goaltender is right now. I'm trying to look it up on Cap Friendly. Unfortunately, it's going a little bit slow, but I'm intrigued to see uh, who they have there on their depth chart. And it appears to be uh, Sabres legend Jonas Johansson, which is good for the meme, but I mean, you know... I could see them making a, a trade if there was a long-term injury to Kemper, but yeah, again, the oh. Avs, top-notch offense, top-notch defense. The goaltending is a bit of a concern, but yeah, the best team uh, I, I on did paper find in this about division. Devontae's, he had shoulder surgery. Um, oh, that's right, he did, didn't he? He will miss the beginning of the season. Okay. Uh, well, as of, be a bit of six a days ago on The Athletic, uh, Bednar said Taves is still skate or is skating, but is not yet cleared for contact. Uh, during mm. a media availability, the coach described the team as healthy. He also said the team would be 100% vaccinated. Okay, that's whatever. Um, I, I saw 100%, so I was thinking he was saying that that's okay. Ron Taves was going to be 100%. <laughs> well, see, that's that's what I, that's why I addressed that at the start of the show, is to be like, that, that stuff's everywhere. It's almost unavoidable, and that's yeah. why we're trying to be like... That being said, it's stuff, good that they will be uh, 100% vaccinated here in the near future. I think that's a very good thing. Uh, they but, don't um, have to worry about any players missing games when they have to go to Canada. Exactly. It's a positive. So, I mean, we could sit here and um, hype up the abs for another two or three hours, I'm sure. I don't don't really see the need to. (laughs) I think think their hype is well-deserved as it is. I don't think there's really too much of a reason to go into that. um, So I was was too busy trying to find find that Devontae's thing because I knew that I read Mm -hmm. that headline somewhere. Um, I, I do think Darcy Kemper might be a little bit of a question mark or not not question mark but maybe a concern when you compare him to what they lost in group hour um but i do think darcy camper is very good and um i think there is maybe a bit more injury concern there is maybe a bit more injury concern about camper that's you know something maybe i didn't factor enough um because he did have some trouble he and ranta both had some trouble staying healthy in arizona one more thing that I wanted to know from you, your your final your final rankings then, because of course we went by my rankings, and of course you, you sprinkled in that information, but it was Colorado at one, and then how did it go from there? Well, I had Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis, Chicago, Winnipeg, Nashville, Dallas, and Arizona. That was my real rankings. It's it's tough to disagree. See, this is the thing, right? Outside of. Outside of Nashville and Arizona, even though I had Dallas below Nashville, that's the real problem with the Central Division. Is it is going to be any, any which way? I think 
Yeah, I mean, I think most people are banking on five teams making it, but who the hell knows I what we're going to see from the Pacific. Agree with you. Um, just because I think the Pacific... I, I don't think they have as many good, like, great teams as the Central does, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, that are going to push into the the points that they need to get into the playoffs for wild card spots. I think that's fair. So, with that, Alex, I think we made it through. I think we did it. I think we made it through. Uh, Again, I do want to thank you very much for joining us on this uh, pre-season prediction show. I said we were going to get you on. It's official. It's happened. Finally happened. You do have some competition from the likes of Monkey Dude to be our go-to blues guy. But, um, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. But again, d- despite, you know, me torturing you with you coming onto the show and then you bring up 2019 and we both cry, no, uh, it was cry. a good time. I cry happy tears, <laughs> I guess. That's fair. Um, again, everybody, uh, you can catch, uh, Alex on, uh, Twitch every once and a while. I'm trying to that start is dot. That is twitch.tv slash LXDAHN. Uh, one Mr. Alex Don is also on Twitter at Alex Don. Alex, as you would expect it to be spelled with an X, proper, proper. One of my best D-A- friends is named Alex and spells it with a K S, and it's funny. With a K S. Yes, A L E K S. Yep. Not how I spell it. I I would change it. <laughs> I would change it if that's how my parents spelled it. I'm sorry, but like, oh, yeah, God. I don't know. It's weird, but it is what it is. I'm sorry, Alex's friend Alex, for making fun of how your parents spelled your name. It wasn't very nice of me, and I apologize. Everybody, again, thank you so much for sticking with us here on the podcast. We will be back later this week, if I am not mistaken. It is this Friday, the Atlantic Division Breakdown with Endo Mills, which I am very, very excited for because, God, we're both just idiots, and it's going to be fun. Uh, again, Alex, thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. Thanks for having me. It was a blast, me. and we'll definitely have you back sometime. Well, Everybody, you. again, one more time, manscaped.com. Use code Toogie for 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. We'll see you all later this week.